Hello everyone, this is You've Got 5 Options, a radio show where we prove that 5 is a magic number. Our experts will give you 5 tips on how to make your private or professional life better. We will solve your life challenge by giving you 5 different options to choose from. And our guests will answer 5 exciting questions while live on air. Tune in and feel the magic of 5. Hello everyone, this is Marta and kind of Marta but not exactly and this is You've Got 5 Options show. As you could probably figure out, Anna is not here since she's not saying hi to you. Well, we are saying hi to Anna with very, very warm wishes of the best of luck to her because she's very, very close to having her baby out. I had a chat with Anna this morning and she's really, really uh, ready to welcome the new member of the family. Uh, if nothing has changed within the last two hours, uh, the baby was still inside of Anna. <laughs> it could have changed because sometimes it can be a very quick uh, process. Uh, anyhow, Anna is enjoying, you could call it this way, maternity leave. I think she's really, really looking forward to having the baby out. <laughs> so greetings to you, Anna. We are uh, holding our, keeping our fingers crossed for you. And today we are going to be talking about the roots of storytelling. And in order for it not to be just me, guys, you know, you're just listening to me, I have actually been quite smart. And I have, first of all, uh, invited a co-hostess and second of all, a guest. So I think uh, it, I've done a good job. You'll see for yourself. So the co-hostess, co-hostess, oh my God, I really mix the two, is <laughs> Estefania. Hello, Marta. Hello. Those of you who are listening to us regularly, Estefania has joined us before as a guest. And now you're co-hosting. Thank you very much for inviting me, Marta. I'm very happy to be here this time as a co-hostess. We had a great time when I was here as a guest. I think we had a really nice discussion and I'm really happy to be here. And I'm also sending a lot of good vibes to Anna because she is right now in her maternity leave. And I am happy that I'm here, but I'm also happy for her having her baby already life-changing right yeah so yeah thank you the the studio feels really warm and crowded with nice people today yes it does it really really does so just for those who have not been maybe listening to that particular show or maybe first time listeners tell us estefania what is your passion so I think I talked a little bit about it when I was here as a guest and uh, I'm a journalist and my greatest passion is journalism. So somehow I am also into the storytelling world, although it's going to be our guest, the one who's going to be talking very deeply into the relevance and importance of storytelling. But yeah, my passion goes also close to that, closer to that as a journalist, innovation journalism, constructive journalism, some of the other topics we touched upon in our podcast a couple of months ago. Yeah, and actually that that constructive part of journalism was the one that point, pointed me towards Estefania, because that's what we do in You've Got Five Options. We are really constructive. We are really looking into bringing what's the best in our guests and what's the best in the stories. So that was the one I was like, hmm, Estefania could make <laughs> a really good match. Thank you. Thank you for trusting me this seat. Yes. Very happy about that. But now the time has come to introduce our guest, Kathy Paris. Hi, everyone. Oh, and I want to say hi to Marta. Oh, no, sorry, to Anna, because I'm sure she's listening to us right now. Thank you for inviting me. It's my second time, but my first live show. So this is exciting. Yes, um, I have asked Kathy to join us uh, here today because Kathy has been uh, talking quite a lot, or I would say, um, writing quite a lot on social media about storytelling. And I really loved some of those posts. Uh, it, I have also seen you talking about it on some events. You have come with some great stories. You came as a speaker 
to yeah. uh, Venture Cup uh, event. Yeah, that was a month ago, two months ago. Yeah, so I have uh, seen you a lot around storytelling topic recently. So I was thinking it would be great to talk about storytelling and it would be great to talk about it with Kathy. Yes, and... Uh, you know, it's a passion and, you know, sometimes you don't know that you have that passion. But when you think about it in the grand scheme, it, all my life is all about stories and who I am today and the stories I could tell others is because I have read and heard people tell their stories and it impacts me and it helps me with my growth. So it's nice to talk about this and let's go back to the roots of storytelling and, and say how important this could be for, for you, for me and for everyone. I think that this is a great opportunity for the listeners to learn a lot from Kathy because from what we've known her so far, she's always doing a lot of stuff. She's very active. She's trying to add lots of value to people around her, to her surroundings. So I think it's going to be really interesting to get her insights on storytelling today. Definitely. And uh, those of you who might be thinking, Kathy Perez, I might have heard that name somewhere. <laughs> Then, yes, probably you have heard it uh, connected to LinkedIn Local. Because that's uh, something that Kathy is recognized uh, locally here in Aarhus, hosting LinkedIn Local. Yes, people really recognize you now by those events. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so just uh, worthwhile mentioning. And uh, yes, and on the next LinkedIn Local event, uh, I will be uh, a speaker and I will actually use stories as well uh, in my topic. So... Yeah, the next one is uh, on the 19th of June. Yes, uh, that's going to be a Wednesday. It's uh, happening at the Merchant Room, five o'clock to seven in, uh, in the afternoon or in the evening, should I say. And uh, we have you. Yes. So that's exciting. <laughs> yeah, we will be talking about the power of beliefs. So uh, definitely the best way to show it is through stories. Yeah. So looking forward to this one. But um, I just wanted for our listeners to get to know you a little bit be better, Kathy. So now the question that we love to ask uh, those recent months. In times of apocalypse, okay. which of your skills would help you survive? Okay, that's a... <laughs> is, this a is this a question to every... <laughs> we yes. ask it a lot, yes. <laughs> I, think, I think my positive personality would help me survive. I mm -hmm. always look at the positive, positive side of things, whereas people complain or something, and I was just like, okay, make, maybe we could do this. So while other people are complaining, I just think about like, okay, how do we survive? Oh, okay, how could we find a solution to this? And if not, if it's all negative, then I just say, you know, then I start telling stories and mm -hmm. I start inspiring people. Mm -hmm. So I think my personality would, uh, oh, I, I just give a smile and, you know, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. yeah, and it right away came down to stories as well. Yes. So. <laughs> I think this tells a lot about Kathy and I think the people who already know her would definitely agree that that's, her personality and that's why she's the one organizing LinkedIn Local. She's the one going through with all of these initiatives, bringing people together because I think you just described it very well. You just don't like to hear people complaining. You like to go straight to action and solutions, right? Yeah. Um, I, the reason why I started LinkedIn Local, it, first we had I had Katrina to do it with me. But the reason behind it was that when I, you know, moved here in Aarhus in September 2017 and I went and joined networking events and then I um, felt awkward, you know, going in there and no one's talking to me or at least I talked to someone and then they, you know, talked to me for a minute or something and then they find their friends and then they started talking and I'm like, okay, I'm alone here. And I was like, okay, let me just create an event where people are encouraged to talk to other people, even though they don't know each other. So um, that's the story behind it. And you are really successful in doing that. The way you create that atmosphere for strangers to start talking to each other right away is really amazing. And that makes it so special. Thank you. Um, it's nice to hear feedbacks like this because sometimes you don't know at the end, you know, in the end of the event and they would go back and I wouldn't hear from people. So it's nice to hear that it's making an impact to others. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. And a lot of people, I have met quite a lot of guests for uh, our shows. That's <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's actually for how instance. we met you. Yeah. For instance. So, yeah. Okay. So um, let's move on to the purpose and a little bit of history of storytelling. So I just, as a preparation for this show, I just started to look if there are any 
interesting things from the history of storytelling that would be worthwhile sharing. And I just read about it. Uh, there is a portal called Storyteller Past, Present, Future. That's wow. a very, um, a very interesting place. And uh, I started to read about uh, like, why did people tell stories in the past? And actually, uh, storytellers had a vital role in the communities in the past, because there was uh, not much other way to actually uh, preserve historical information. So it was through the storytellers who would go around in different communities and they would tell stories. And uh, that was also a way to share emotions and experiences. So there is also a lot of cre creative output in the stories. And that, that was uh, this way. And they were called troubadours mm -hmm. or bards. And they would travel from community to community, from castle to castle. And they were actually well paid. It was an honorable uh, profession uh, in the Middle Ages. And uh, yeah, there was a great demand for that kind of uh, entertainment and educational and historical events. So there was a lot of purpose in the past in storytelling. I think that uh, in many other cultures of the world, the same concept has been there or was there for a long time in history. These people would somehow also run from place to place and people from uh, one town will ask them to send their greetings to people in the other town. So I have my mom in this nearby town. When you go there and tell your stories and bring the news from our town, I want you to also publicly say, so Estefania is sending her greetings to her mom from the other town. So they were also carrying a lot of love and taking a lot of greetings from families from one side to side and putting communities together, building community through storytelling as well. That's great. That's an interesting, uh, well, what you said, Marta, and what you said, Estefania. Oh, thank you for uh, <laughs> telling me about this. Um, well, you know, my understanding is very simple that even before print media and all these other technologies we have, people use word of mouth and they tell stories and this, uh, then the stories could make people reflect, could give people information, could inspire them, and many other things. And uh, that's uh, my, you know, understanding um, of storytelling. Yeah. And before education, that was the way people were being educated, Edu yeah. and uh, history especially, because there was no, like even before there were schools, that's the way the history and education was being spread. Around the world. Exactly. And there is still so much knowledge in the world that has not been written yet. So many uh, ancestral information, so many ancestral tips that are just being told to generation by generation. I think that's also why radio is never going to die. Even if you call it podcast, even if you call it whatever platform, because we like to hear stories, because we like to hear the voice of others saying something interesting. Yeah, so it might just evolve into mm -hmm. something like when you say podcast and all this, but it's still radio. It's still this kind of information transmission that we have. Yeah, the need for oral storytellers basically evaporated after the 1500s, where the print has come into place, uh, because now people were able to actually write and print and share magazines, newspapers, and so on. Then we added on the radio and uh, we added on the TV and so on. So the, the role of a storyteller kind of evaporated. But of course, we have been telling stories uh, in a written form in on the radio and so on. But nowadays, I hear that actually the oral storytellers are coming back to life. Ooh, that's something we'd like to hear more. Yeah, that people actually that go and just tell a story. Mm. are It's coming back. Like we had a while where it was mainly like if someone was making a presentation, mm. it was a lot of bullet points and a lot of slides. Yeah. There was a, you know, while and now it's a lot about telling stories. People are starting starting to switch off the slides and starting to stand there and tell a story more and more. So I experienced that uh, in the last couple of years. What's your view on it? When I was asked to to, to give a speech, to be the guest speaker at the Venture Cup, and that I was, uh, they, you know, asked me, like, what kind of topics would you like to talk about? And I was like... Okay, these are knowledgeable people who've gone to universities. These are, there are people there who are already like 30 years in the industry, very professionals. But I was like, how would I be able to tell them something, you know, not to give them facts, but to 
tell them something and how could you do that it's by stories because they could reflect themselves in the stories or they could see a character in stories so i just basically stood there and i was like okay i have several stories to to share and that's what i did so yeah I, it, that's exciting to know that the storytellers are coming back and in our generation i think we really need stories we need to go back to learning how to sit and not be so attached on our phones sit yeah. and listen and reflect I actually think the comeback, although I would say storytelling has never been completely evaporated or the storytellers have never been just out of the picture, but it's kind of a cause-reaction effect. So we've gone into this very individualistic world in which everybody's just kind of isolated into their own phones, into their own interests, into their own information bubble as well. And suddenly that need for relating personally to others and getting something from others that you can personally relate to through a story, it's become more and more relevant as a reaction to that individualistic sense and individualistic lifestyle, right? I uh, I completely agree. I also do not believe that the stories have evaporated. And as parents, uh, that's one of the way we read stories to our children. Uh, basically, well, at least in my family, we do it every night because that's the best way to teach values uh, to our children and so on. So I, I think it definitely never evaporated. I just think that people stopped like running, you know, between mm -hmm. the castles and <laughs> the communities. And so this traditional role of storyteller has just maybe declined, let's call it this way. Way. And it was great with uh, print. It's great to be able to read. It's great to be able to uh, listen to things. And uh, at the end, or in a while, we will talk about uh, the modern use of storytelling as well. But for now, I would really like to give an opportunity to Kathy to actually tell a story. Yes, uh, there is something that I read a couple of hours ago or say two days ago maybe that's a mm -hmm. but I reread it so but it was it's something very I'm very passionate about it because it's a about this community in the northern Philippines and um, until now they use storytelling and this is not just storytelling because you were saying like oh radio is not completely gone and all this I agree but also the medium has changed it has evolved so we have television we have radio but this community they are called Aita community in the northern Philippines they are hunter gatherers and uh, small communities and um, what they do is they have storytelling you know once a week they gather together and they listen to a storyteller and um They were chosen by um, researchers from the University of Co uh, University College London, and uh, and you know to to demonstrate the power and uh, of storytelling and purpose of storytelling, they studied them, they asked them questions, they experimented on on them, and uh, what happened was that they found several things that are pretty interesting to know. So first thing was that they found out that. The camps with many storytellers are more generous than the camps that have no storytellers. So they, what they experimented is that they gave them a couple sacks of rice to people, random people. And um, so they just followed them and see if they would be giving these sacks of rice or sharing these sacks of rice to others. And what they found out was that through, sto through storytelling, sorry, um, they were more open to share what they have with others. And uh, this community, they are very poor. And sometimes, you know, it's difficult for them to, to have something for the next week. But what happens is that even though they don't have much, they still share. So that's one thing that they found out from this little community. Number two, they found out that good storytellers were chosen over people who are equally popular themselves. So who are those popular people like hunters, fishermen, people who could provide food for the community. But when they asked them who they think, you know, they think they would live with, they chose the storytellers. They would rather live with the storytellers than with the fishermen. Mm. <laughs> so that is something funny. So does that mean that I would choose a good story over a good meal? 
they would rather feed their souls than feed their stomachs. Yeah, <laughs> or maybe because they get something from stories. Maybe they feel more courageous. Maybe they feel like, oh, ah, I should do something for my family. So there are stories that inspires them. So they would rather choose this. And uh, for me, it was surprising to learn why they would choose storytellers. But that's what they found out. And the third thing they found out was that the skilled storytellers in the society, they have more living children. Okay, so before we go, like, why uh, they have more children because they have more wives? No, the thing <laughs> is, they have more living children because they are popular or maybe because people would like to help them in times of need. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if they have a child who is sick and then a community member would just say, okay, I could take care or maybe I have this medicine for your child. So they reach out and uh, help the storytellers. And that's what I found out from this Aita community in the Philippines. And there was a story that they have that I was like, oh, it's very simple, but it's very lovely. They said that um, day and night comes from a story of a man and woman. And this man, he said, oh, I have strength and I have all this and I could gather and I could, you know, kill wild pigs and everything. And the woman said, I could bear children. I could, I could do all this. I could take care of nature. So this woman, so these two men and women, they were fighting who is the more important one. And the Aita community said that men represents night and women represents day. And in the end, because they could not agree who is stronger, because they realized in the end that they are better, they complement each other more, then they say, okay, night and day will live in one 24-hour day. So there comes day for women and night for men. I right away start thinking about, so in Denmark, we have a period of time when <laughs> men are much more powerful than women. And then we have the time of the year when the women because in the summertime, then the day is way longer. Oh. Yeah. So in the summertime is the uh, women representation that is much more powerful. Let me remind which time of the year are we happier? <laughs> we will have to ask the community itself, how would they interpret this weather here? Uh, that's going to be something they would not understand. Yeah. But yeah, that's their story. Yeah. It's just one of the stories that they tell others that, oh, also men and women, they, that also meant that we live with each other, that we complement each other. And in other cultures where, you know, women would say, no, women's rights and we have this and men is like, no, we're the stronger. Uh, this community, they talk about being each other's equal. You complement each other. You don't you compete who is better. Uh, I think that is uh, something awesome to learn mm -hmm. that in other communities, they just don't think about like, oh, who's more, more powerful or I have more rights. It's more about like, okay, let's complement each other. Yeah, and I think it not only speaks about their relationships with each other as men and women as a part of a community, but also their relationship with nature and how they see the things happening around them and how important the sun is, how important the, the moon is. And yeah, it's a really interesting story and very beautiful, nicely told. Yeah, thank you. That, that is just one of the stories that they hear from their storytellers in the town. And that's great to hear also that actually there are still communities where the storyteller role is so vital and uh, uh, an honorable one in a community. Yeah, it's a, an isolated community in the Philippines. I don't think there are a lot of them now, but um, their culture is being preserved. And um, storytelling is one of the vital and most important things about their community, is that um, they, they kind of like give so much importance to someone standing up there and telling them a good story. And, and the funny thing is that they it's not just anyone who would give a story. You have to be someone who is good with timing, telling your story, and also that people could reflect on your story. So, you know, these people, although they don't go to school, but that's how they get their education, through storytelling. Yeah. Storytelling, sorry. Marta, I don't know if before we go on, uh, Kathy can tell us where is she from and a little bit more of her cultural background because it might be a little bit relevant for this yeah, story sure. too. Well, thank you. Uh, yeah, I, I haven't mentioned, well, maybe because... 
Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's true. I thought I mentioned a little bit about myself, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm from the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Uh, I grew up in um, a place called Cebu. It's actually in the middle of the Philippines. And it's like, you used to say, 15 minutes to the sea and mm. tropic, tropical country. And I love stories. My first, I remember the first book that my parents, uh, my father gave me. It's, co- it's called Story Parade. And my parents, they did the best for us. They um, gave like education and everything, but they were also busy for us to survive. And I remember we don't have summer vacations like other kids where they go and, you know, go to other islands or other countries. We just stayed at home and play with, you know, my brothers and sisters. And then I remember growing up with a book. There was this book called The Story Parade. And I just read and read and reread the book. I read it several times. And I was so absorbed to, like, the stories of this little turtle who didn't give up, this little girl who wants to bake rice cakes for others. It's a so that that's where I come from, from the Philippines. I grew up there and that's where I started appreciating stories. And then in um, 2007, I moved to China. I lived there for eight years. I was teaching in a university and also writing for a newspaper, sorry, for a magazine company. And then in 2015, I moved to Denmark. And I'm because in, while I was in China, I met a Viking. Mm. So, <laughs> and then um, that's why I moved here in 2015, and, um, th- and I'm enjoying it uh, here in Denmark so far. Okay, thank you for sharing this. Of course, uh, sometimes when we have the guests again, we might uh, slip through the introduction. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> I, w- I was—I didn't even yeah. think about it. Well, maybe because we also know each other. Yes. So, yeah, that's my story, you guys, and. Thank you for sharing. Yes. And now let's jump into the functions of storytelling. There are, of course, many, many, many different functions of storytelling. And I have uh, mentioned one of them uh, already with children. Uh, So you can use the stories with children to teach them something. You can uh, tell them the stories to warn them. Uh, Sometimes we use them to scare (laughs) <laughs> scare slash warn uh, but uh, the right re- uh, the red riding hood is one of the examples that has been used for many centuries now uh, in order to uh, tell t- teach our kids that they should not be talking to strangers so there is uh, quite a lot of uh, quite a lot of function there. There is also a function to manipulate. That's uh, maybe not necessarily such an honorable one, but uh, that is something that is uh, sometimes used in sales uh, to to manipulate people into buying something. In politics. In politics. That, that was actually what uh, came to my mind. Uh, politics. Let's not talk about politics. Uh, no. 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 <laughs> let's, uh, let's move on to the more honor- honorable ones like to motivate or to inspire people um, of course uh, to um, to bring hope but of course also to entertain and uh, one great way I have started to use quite a lot now is to break the ice I uh, when I was running a baby shower for Anna Uh, There was a lot of people that did not know each other. And I was thinking, how do I I offer that I will um, facilitate that part for her? Because I'm going to be the godmother for the baby. Yes. And uh, I just ask all the guests to tell a story about themselves and either to make it a real one or a made up one. Hmm. So people started to tell stories about themselves and the majority of stories were true. But they were so crazy that very often we thought that they were not true. And then people were laughing a lot. And that was also a way for people to connect. So instead of being in that event where it's like, oh, what's your name? Where do you work? And how long have you been in Denmark? Or what do you do as a profession? People were like, so were you really chased by that dog? Or have you really gone there and there? So there was right away this uh, reason to talk to each other and to connect when I was teaching in China, one of the exercises I do with students is that it's called two, two fruits and a lie. So they would tell two things about themselves that are true and then one that's a lie. 
And these kids, they go crazy because they will figure out like, okay, um, which one is a lie? Because mm-hmm. I tell them, you stand in front, you tell two stories, ab- three stories about yourself, and uh, one of them should be a lie. Mm-hmm. And the others, the rest of the class would have to figure out which one is a lie. And then they just go crazy. They just wanted to figure out which one is a lie. I think this is a very nice exercise, especially because people try to think about the craziest stories that are true, that might sound like a lie to camouflage the one that is actually a lie. So people suddenly tell you things about their lives that are pretty crazy and something they maybe might not reveal as an icebreaker in a different context. And then you get to know so many like details about that person just out of that exercise. I think it's a great one. Yeah, so I use it now quite a lot. Uh, I uh, have rediscovered the power of storytelling for myself recently, and I am really into that. And to be honest, I went to, for example, a training over a year ago when I started the coaching training. And uh, when I was learning about limiting beliefs, the lady told us a story. And then she told she also had a lot of uh, slides and bullet points. Guess what I remember the most? (laughs) The story. Of course, the story. Totally. So the story completely stayed with me. Now I often also tell that story on different uh, occasions because I think that the story is great. But it's just amazing. We are capable of uh, remembering a story so much easier rather than bullet points or ex- written explanations. At least that's how it works for me. Or rather than PowerPoint where... Or Excel sheets. Yeah. So <laughs> what gets complicated? So what would you see, say is the greatest purpose of all of these purposes of, of storytelling that we've been discussing slightly? What would be that greatest purpose of storytelling for you? I think the greatest purpose of storytelling is to tell us that we're humans. Even though we have developed into great technologies all around us, we have smartphones and we have things coming like no crazy like AI and robots and everything, but we are humans and stories are things that or stories are essential things that would connect us because we have when you tell a story what you actually impart is an emotion from someone. You transmit emotion. Where in, you know, like when you say modern marketing and everything, and they say, oh, data, data is very important. Um, but data, they transmit action. But stories, they transmit emotions. And when you get emotions, like you know, when you catch that, that's when people learn. That's when people get inspired. That's when people move on and say, okay, I learned from you and I would do that in my life. Okay, I learned a lesson and I would do, I would move on further with that kind of strength, with that kind of courage. So I think that is, that answers your questions, I hope. Yeah, absolutely. I think it has a lot to do with uh, my theory about cause and reaction and all this digital transformation that we live in right now, all this globalization process have made us be, I don't know, maybe try to find uh, some kind of strategy to connect really with others, like truly besides or yeah, beyond the just like small talking and social media interaction. So, yeah. yeah. Well, if I were to choose one of all of those, because I think all of them are important, but if I had to choose one, it would be to bring hope. Mm. I think Mm. this is something that is uh, uplifting. And I think we as humans, because of course it is a lot about uh, humanity and humans, I think that we really, what we really need, what all of us really need at all times is the hope. So if I had to choose one, that would be the one. It reminds me of Hunger Games. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, hope. Yeah, it's very important thing. Yeah. So talking about all those functions, uh, I had a chat with uh, Kathy. I also heard already that before and it uh, I found it very inspiring. So I asked Kathy to tell one story uh, that has a function and has one of the functions and we can discuss later which function it was. So you guys have to guess or maybe you guys would can tell me like what your reflections. Yes. Well, I gave this story in one of my talk and the Venture Cup and I'm going to say it again because I just love this story and I think this story is very familiar to everyone because please like raise your hand if you tell me you haven't heard of David and Goliath. 
Mm-hmm. No, no, no hands up here no in the studio. Hi, Dennis. <laughs> oh. <laughs> But uh, David and Goliath, and it's a, a story about the giant and this little boy, and um, then David won in the end. But what fascinated me is that people always think that Goliath is inevitable, that he should win in this fight, that he is unbeatable. And uh, in the end, it was David that won. And what happens is that if we're going to look back, go back to to the story of David and Goliath, David was around 16-year-old, a teenager, and um, he has few brothers, I think four or five brothers, and his brothers were fighting for the kingdom of Israel. So his brothers were warriors, and David, well, he's a teenager he's a uh, he's very young and his parents say okay you are a shepherd you take care of the sheep and that's what he does every day he's very loyal to it he loves it and he learns how to protect his sheep and everything and um but one day his father said oh you have to bring water and food for your brothers because they have been um, they are going on a battle but they haven't gone back from the battle and they don't know what's going to happen so bring them food or bring them water because maybe they need it so david went and it was a long journey and he went to a valley called shifala can you say it again shifala yeah it's actually a valley in um, israel where um, it's pretty popular and strategic because what they do is that you are in there's this huge mountain on the other side and it's called the israel Israel, Israelite mountain, or we say mountain in Israel. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, there's another huge mountain. And the enemy of the Israelites, the Philistines, they were camping there because they want to attack the Israelites. So there comes David and he went and brought food and, and water for his brothers. And then he realized what's happening here. These two camps, the Israelites And um, the Philistines, they were on a deadlock, as you could say. They were waiting there for years. They don't want to attack the other camp. Why wouldn't they attack? Because if they attack, they would be exposed because it's a valley in there. So they would be exposed. And that means there's going to be huge damage on the, on the uh, what do you call that, their warriors. So they don't want to attack. They were waiting for the other camp to attack, but no one's going to attack. And um, so they were deadlocked. So comes David bringing food and water, 16-year-old boy, very innocent looking. And so what he heard during that time was that there comes Goliath. Goliath is from the other camp. He's from the Philistines. And they said, we don't want this deadlock anymore, the Philistines said. So let's do one-to-one combat. Bring your most sharpest warrior and we bring our mightiest warrior and let them fight to the death. And whoever wins will, of course, still get the kingdom. So when Goliath moved in, everyone in the camp of uh, the Israelites were very, very afraid of him. He was huge. He had a bronze warrior. He walked like, you know, like giants walk. Like he's, he looks like people are, got, are afraid already. And then he has this voice that's like, come to me and I'm gonna feed your flesh to the birds of the sky. And David was like, hmm. When all the other people in the Israelites camp saw Goliath, they were afraid because they thought he was too big to beat. But David, he's a, he's a slinger. He uses a sling to kill animals and protect his sheep. So when he saw Goliath, he thought that Goliath was too big to miss. So he told King David, I'm going to fight him. And what happens was that in the end, we know what happened. Goliath died. David's camp won. But what we didn't know in this story was that Although Goliath was a giant, he also have a lot of disadvantages. Yes, he's a giant, but he walked very slowly. Why? And actually, when he was going towards the um, valley, he was saying something. But also, he, there was an attendant, you know, like someone like 
guiding him. There was a guide. Why was there a guide? And I think the, the reason why it's a very beautiful story was that what we realized was that Goliath is a giant, but he is also um, weak and he also has things that people don't see. You, he's a giant, but he has this, he has this um, what do you call, abnormality in his growth hormone. That's why he has acromegaly, they call. Mm-hmm. And that means that he has double vision. So he didn't see David very well when he was approaching. So from this story, I learned that giants are not unbeatable and giants like fear in myself or, you know, when I have ambitions and it's so huge, then I realized that giants are not very dangerous after all. Mm. Nice story. Nice Thank story. you. And with some details I did not know before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, of course, I've heard of David and Goliath, but I did not know all those details uh, behind the story. So you think the purpose of it is uh, to inspire people to understand that maybe their own giants in their lives are also vulnerable, are also beatable, are also something with your that you can beat with your own skills, right? Yeah, I think what I learned so much was that we as humans, sometimes when we have a task to do, like for example, if you're a manager of a company and it's a big task, then you always think, oh, I couldn't do this. But, you know, be like David. He just, he, he knows his strengths. He knows his strengths. And then he just says, okay, I'll go after it. So it encourages us in a way. But I don't know, um, what, what did you learn from the story of David and Goliath? Do you want to go first? Sure. And you can share uh, with us, Marta, too. I think it's really nice a story because I think David can see things from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. He's not a warrior. He's not thinking about Goliath's armor or Goliath's size, which would be what a warrior would see in this exactly. other warrior, right? In this opponent. Well, David came there and just thought, all right, he's big. I, I won't miss him. Mm-hmm. He's yes. a big target. Yeah. So he saw... What others saw as a disadvantage, he actually saw as an advantage for his skills. So where nobody saw possibilities, he saw the greatest possibility. And he also, yeah, was able to see the big picture. So that's what I think I get. I get a lot of things out Mm -hmm. of this story, but that's the thing I get the most. When you're able to see the bigger picture, then you might realize that the giant in your life is actually not as big. Is actually beatable. It also has its weaknesses. True. Yeah. So well, of course, I have my list of potential functions, and mm-hmm. I have been just like ding, ding, <laughs> ding. Yeah. So of course, Kathy, you yourself, you have uh, said several times what I've learned from that story. So of course, there is a function to teach you something mm-hmm. because yes. you have learned a lot from that story. I think there is also a function of inspiring. Some people can get inspired or motivated to actually take action and face the giant within them. I think there is also the function of entertaining. I think the story has a nice story plot and it's also entertaining. It's bringing us on a journey. So definitely this one as well. And uh, it's also simplifying a complex idea because to tell someone that you can face the giant within you or against you and, uh, you know, it's it's simplifying this uh, huge thing in our life that we all face into an understandable story that you can reflect on by yourself. Totally agree. Yeah. That's a beautiful reflection of the story, Marta. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would like us to move on to the final part of our uh, conversation. The time is flying, yes, (laughs) when you're having a good time. So now I would like us to talk a little bit about the modern use of storytelling. Yes, Marta, but before we move on to that, I think I need to say hi to some people who are listening to, who are actually listening to us live. Um, One of that is my husband. Hi, Scott. <laughs> well, um, he said he's tuning in right now. He's at home. And um, hi. So, and um, Shivani. Shivani. Hi, Shivani. Hi, Shivani. hi, Scott. And hi, Shivani. Hi, Scott. <laughs> I don't think we should know. No, but that, that's the only name we got. So yeah. His name is Bjorn. That means okay. Bjorn. Hi, Bjorn. Yes. Yeah. And then um, Greta, who is uh, also tuning in to us. And I think my mother-in-law is also tuning in. So nice. So much support. And Meta, thank you for listening. Hello, everyone. Hi. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Okay. 
So uh, why those people can tune in now is closely connected to the modern use of storytelling. Yes, <laughs> yes finally. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a nice uh, smooth uh, connection here. So, yeah, like we've mentioned, the function of storytelling has declined a little bit. And at least we are simply seeing a big pickup on storytelling now. It's a very uh, common topic. Many people are now making videos about storytelling. People are writing about it, uh, talking about it, uh, using storytelling in their presentations. So, yes, tell us a little bit about your reflections, Kathy, on that topic. Yes, um companies say, oh, we need to tell our stories. And then there's personal branding. And then there's marketing where you like tell a story. And um, some people, they just like, okay, I don't understand what you're talking about. Because I think some people still think that when you say storytelling, they, they think of tradition where people had to stand up and tell a story. But storytelling has evolved, as I mentioned, and we could use videos to tell a story. We could use, of course, text, um, and we could write through our smartphones and post it on LinkedIn and tell our story in there. So right now, storytelling has evolved into not just saying, oh, this company is number one, but why is this company number one? It's not just about why... When you say, you know, like, oh, there's a piano and now the marketers say, oh, you don't just show a piano and sell it. How do you do it? You show a picture of a person enjoying the piano and another one with wine and another one dancing. And then that picture says, oh, I want that lifestyle. I want that piano. So storytelling, it's a more modern now because people's attention are shorter i think like they if if they hear your story and you're boring they just you know just okay switch off the the smartphone so it's important nowadays but it's also important to tell good stories so that's how i find yeah. it to be i think it would be nice to hear uh, how are you involved or or why do you know so much about these marketing strategies or if it has something to do with your professional experience as well have you noticed that in your work field storytelling has also gotten more relevant or if there is a lack of knowledge on how you should use storytelling for business purposes for instance i think that some companies like for example i, I talked to a startup and they don't know how to tell their story but maybe because They don't know where they will start. Okay, um, we have this idea, but it's like, how are you going to tell your story? And, and they don't know where to start because they start with their idea, but they don't know how to send emotions to people. And I said, you could send emotions by telling the story, by telling us the purpose of your company, by telling us about the workers in your company, about the visions of your company. Tell us these stories. So then when a reader reads it and they would they would understand the story of this company and then when they understand when there's emotions attached then they could become new followers and new customers and and people who would actually be there for them yeah i find uh, stories so fascinating right now in business and especially linked to the purpose how can you tell what's the purpose of your company or you You know, like, how can you say it? It's so difficult to put the words into it because our emotions, they sit in the limbic brain that has no capacity for language. And it's therefore so difficult to put the words to it. But we are already living that purpose as individuals and as companies. We are living it and we are living it through stories. So uh, in my professional life, uh, I go to companies and I help them elicit the purpose by the stories they tell. And apart from the fact that they are able to put uh, words into what's their purpose based on those stories that they tell, they also inspire each other by telling those stories. And uh, I have uh, had such a workshop in Sculpto. Uh, that's a company that produces 3D printers. And we had uh, this storytelling there in order to find their purpose and their ability to actually tell those stories. There were some new people, they were like, wow, it was so good to hear those stories. Now I really connect emotionally. They had this visceral reaction. 
and connect right away with the purpose of the company. And there was a sales and marketing guy. He was like, wow, thank you. Now I can use those stories yes. when I am interacting with the clients. And so there are just like so many functions of uh, going through the company stories internally and for communication externally. You can connect with the right clients, with the right partners through the stories because they evoke the emotions that you want to evoke in the people with whom you want to connect. Yeah, and uh, there is a huge trend growing lately, the, the past years, in which people no longer want to follow a brand because they like it, because they like their products, also because they have a social stand, also because they tell stories they can connect with. Uh, it can be very big brands that through their advertisements and through their marketing strategies, Uh, advocate for uh, humans right advocates for women's rights advocate for social inclusion somehow and people no longer just like the brand as a fan they love the brands they love what they do they are supporting a cause by buying their products so this is something that is very interesting in what's happening in the uh, business world That is changing thanks and through storytelling. I don't know if you would agree with me, Kathy. Yeah, totally agree. And not just that, you mentioned about brands. And now people starting to say, okay, what's your cause? What's the vision of this brand? People are more aware now because of digital you know, technology. Another thing as well that I want to point out is that leaders, business leaders, politicians, if you know how to tell a story, Of what you have in your hand is very powerful. But I also notice that some leaders, they don't know how to tell a story. Or maybe because stories reflect so much of yourself that if you don't know how to tell a story because something inside you is like you're confused of what to say. But um, with leadership, it's very important when you are a manager of a company, a CEO, and you need to have change in your company, change management. How would you tell the story that we need this change and what will you say to them so that they would actually change and follow what you say? Some people, they just don't know. They manage, but they don't know how to be leaders. They don't know how to be st storytellers. Yeah, I think that I've also noticed this uh, huge difference between actually telling a story and just saying something that it's personal, thinking and believing that that's what storytelling is it's all about because yes storytelling is about relating to one one another in an emotional realm in an emotional level right but it's not only just throwing your personal life out there it's not just about saying something personal about yourself and we're gonna call that a story saying something personal about your company and we're going to call that a story it has a whole structure it has a build up it has a purpose it has an audience it has a target it has a science right it has a science in order to be a successful story that people can relate to and maybe just going out as a ceo and saying something personal is not necessarily a story right i i agree and disagree in a way because sometimes someone would just be saying a story and it's personal story but then others could relate to it and i know of some people that even though you know they don't have education they don't know the process of storytelling they don't know all these theories but they tell their story personal what they've gone through what they learned and they actually reach people and you see this in social media people who are You know, we have bloggers who are very popular, influential. They don't know all these theories about, mm -hmm. about, okay, what's the process of creating a story? But what I think was very important to see was that they speak from a point of purpose. They speak from, you know, their truth, their story. And uh, 